When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you don't have a clear curriculum for your classroom, it is so overwhelming to try to put that together yourself. Spending hours on Pinterest and Google, pulling worksheets and pulling pieces of curriculum together to make something that works for your classroom. That's why we created the Autism Helper Curriculum and now offer Curriculum Access. Curriculum Access gets you access to all levels and all subjects of the highly differentiated evidence-based Autism Helper Curriculum. You can have students working on letter identification and working on parts of speech at the same time in our easy-to-use curriculum. We currently have hundreds of teachers using Curriculum Access from all over the world with consistently rave reviews. I want you to join that group of teachers. Now is the time to ask your administrators for curriculum access. We have an email template ready to go so you can ask them to set up a demo. Your administrators can jump on a live call with our team members to see everything that's included in the Autism Helper curriculum access. Next year, let's reduce the overwhelm. Let's start the year out with a path and a plan and resources to meet all the diverse needs of your students. Let's make next year the year of curriculum access. Head over to the show notes to learn more. Hi, I'm Sasha Long, special ed teacher and board certified behavior analyst. Welcome to the Autism Helper Podcast. I'm here to explore different strategies to improve the lives of individuals with autism. Welcome back to the Autism Helper Podcast. We are continuing on our Frequently Asked Question episodes with an episode all about paraprofessionals. If you listen to the podcast and definitely if you are a member of the Professional Development Membership Group, you know that I love talking about staff training. And honestly, the reason I love talking about it is because it was so incredibly challenging for me as a new teacher and it was also so shocking honestly i i didn't realize that training and managing adults was part of my job description and i was 22 years old fresh out of college no one tells you this no one tells you that you have to manage other adults there is no classes in your master's program and your undergrad program on staff training and it's a huge important part of the job and it's an extremely challenging part of the job And if you feel that, if you feel like, oh my God, it is really hard, you are not alone. The management industry, the leadership industry is like a multi-billion dollar industry, right? People get degrees in management and leadership. And this is suddenly something we as special ed teachers have to just know how to do. And if you choose to ignore this part of your job, 
it will cause a problem in the long run because those paraprofessionals are in your classroom for a reason. They're in your classroom because you need additional adult support to meet the needs of your students. And if you don't train and manage and collaborate with those team members on how to best meet those students' needs, you're not going to be able to do that. When it comes to challenging behavior, when it comes to instructional academic success, we need our paras and us working collaboratively. So obviously this is a big issue and lots and lots of important questions on it, but I want to get to some of the questions that I get the most when it comes to paraprofessionals and staff training. And before I get to those questions, I want to share something that happened a few weeks ago. So I shared an Instagram reel and a TikTok me talking about how paraprofessionals should be working as educators in the classroom. And I had like a big group on both Instagram and TikTok kind of clap back at me saying, paraprofessionals are not paid like teachers. They should not be doing all the work teachers are doing. That's ridiculous. And first off, agreed. Paraprofessionals are absolutely not paid enough. I mean, they are working so hard on the front lines with our students. It is an underappreciated role, an absolutely underpaid role. What I was getting at in the video is not that paraprofessionals should be writing lesson plans, writing IEPs, making database decisions, creating materials, creating data sheets. No, that is absolutely the teacher's role. That's part of the teacher's job description. And yeah, paraprofessionals should not be doing that. That's not in their role. What is in the role of being a paraprofessional is providing academic support, running academic groups, prompt fading, running behavior plans, working as an educator in that way, providing educational support. And that is part of the role of a paraprofessional. Yes, the teacher is setting all that up behind the scenes, working collaboratively with that staff member, but we want that staff member face-to-face with students teaching. And the reason that I bring that up is that too often I see paraprofessionals used in the background, used as the one that's redoing task bins, taking kids to and from the bathroom, a little props fading here and there, running kids to and from specials, when we could be using those adults for so much more to meet the instructional needs of our kids. When we have a highly differentiated classroom and we're teaching small groups or one-on-one, we need multiple teachers. We need multiple people teaching to meet those needs of the kids. You as a teacher can't do it all yourself. So that's why you have other adults in there. So multiple adults can be teaching so you get those instructional needs of the students. And that's what I meant in that video is that we want our paraprofessionals to be teaching, to be running instructional groups that are set up by the teacher and giving our kids more instructional minutes in the long run. And that's really what staff training is all about. And I'm going to kind of loop back to this point again and again is we're giving our kids more instructional minutes when we spend time on staff training. So the number one most common question I get when it comes to staff training is, how do I find the time to do that? When am I going to do that? You know, when am I going to train my staff? In most schools, there is not common planning time with your paraprofessionals given to you on a silver platter. It's not like, hey, from 8 to 8.15, there's going to be no students in your classroom, but you and your paras don't have any other duties except to sit and work together. And if you have that in your school, don't tell anyone because people are going to want to work there. Oftentimes, paraprofessionals are paid bell to bell. They have duties in the morning or duties in the afternoon. And there's not common planning time where there's no students in the classroom for you to sit down and have these nice, focused meetings. That's not an option, right? So staff training 
can be done in the nooks and crannies of your day. You have to make time for staff training. I think as a new teacher, I really thought that every minute students were in my classroom, I had to be student facing. So I had to be with a student doing something with a student if there were kids in my class. But by doing that, I was missing the opportunities to be working with my paraprofessionals. And it at first, to me, felt weird. Like if I was sitting with my paraprofessional talking about how to run a small group or teaching her how to take data or doing something like that, then I was really taking away those instructional minutes from that student. Well, you know, I'm supposed to be with Johnny and Michael running their reading group, but instead I'm over here with Miss Sarah teaching her how to take data. God, Johnny and Michael are missing out now. But actually, if you think about it in a broader way, when we invest time in training our paraprofessionals, we are not taking away instructional minutes from our students. We are actually giving them much more instructional minutes in the long run. Because when I train my paraprofessional to take data, to run small groups, to give those instructional activities, to run academic activities, and when I teach her to do it how I do it, right? I'm basically replicating myself. I'm cloning myself. That's the goal of staff training. I want to have two of me, right? I want three of me. That'd be great. We'd get so much done. Yeah. When you invest time in staff training, you get so much done. And that's what you have to think about it is this is an investment. And when you spend time up front, it might take a lot of time. In the long run, your kids are going to get more instructional minutes. So what does this look like? What is finding the time and nooks and crannies of the day look like? I think we have to get over the idea that it's going to be like you and your two paras sitting nicely talking about something. That's not what it's going to look like. It's going to be a little messier than that because schools are messy, right? This could look like having five minutes here or there to grab one paraprofessional and talk about something. This could look like when you set up your centers, and next week we're going to do an episode on centers. When you set up your centers, the center that you are supposed to run is free time for a week. And you sit with that paraprofessional for a whole week and teach them to run their center. So let's give an example here. So let's say I have three centers in my classroom. I have guided reading groups that I'm running. I have a fluency center that my paraprofessional, Miss Sarah, is running. And I have a third station that's independent work that my other paraprofessional, Mr. David, is running. All right. So I got guided reading groups by me, fluency, Miss Sarah, and independent work by Mr. David. So I want to teach Miss Sarah how to run fluency instruction. I've been working on that with some students. I know they're, you know, they kind of have an idea of what goals we're going to work on, but Miss Sarah's never done it before. So at my guided reading group center, I'm going to put puzzles. I'm going to put worksheets. I'm going to put iPad even. Just let's do iPad for a whole week. When those kids come to guided reading groups, they're not doing guided reading groups at all that week. They're going to do Play-Doh. They're going to do something fun, something that they can be independent on, basically. And if that's iPads, your only option, do that. And I'm going to sit with Miss Sarah every single day that week when the kids come to her and I'm going to run guided, run those fluency sets with her. And I'm going to use behavior skills training. We've done a whole episode on this. I'll link it in the show notes. I'm going to have her, I'm going to first explain it to her. Then I'm going to have her watch me do it. So I'll probably spend like one or two days where she just watches me run that center on how I'd like her to do it. Then I'm going to watch her. Now I'm going to spend maybe one or two days where I'm watching her do it. And then I'm going to give that feedback. And that's going to take the whole week. And you're going to be like, oh my God, but those other kids at Guided Reading missed out. They don't. Because then I can go back to Guided Reading groups next week knowing that fluency is running the way I wanted it to. 
And maybe I would do the same thing with independent work too. I'd want Mr. David to be doing it a certain way. I might do that too. And again, you're not taking that away. Maybe you start your center that you're running a month later, but all the other centers are being run really well. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. So that's one option that you can do. Another option that I really like to do is like a Friday afternoon staff training. And to me, I'm like particular on the day of this because, by, man, by Friday afternoon, like everyone's done. Like no one's hitting an IEP benchmark at like 145 on a Friday, right? We're tired. Our kids are tired. Take a break. Give them a break. It's such a natural time to have a break, right? We take breaks on the weekends. By the end of a week, it's a natural time to give a break, give a reinforcer, have chill time, rec leisure, something. Give your kids break time and then sit down with your team and talk about reinforcement. Talk about prompt fading. Talk about why visuals are in your classroom, why we have picture schedules. Go through those different areas of your room and talk about the reasons why. That's how we get buy-in is we explain. Talk about maybe behavior plans if that's kind of appropriate and no one's listening and you can use code names and things like that and use 20 minutes every Friday to sit down with your team while kids are enjoying that natural time to have a break in the week. So it's all about making the time and this really leads into the second most common question of how do I get buy-in? You know my staff just don't seem to have buy-in to what we're doing and there's no consistency, there's no follow-through, it's really frustrating And the buy-in comes from the quality of staff training. And behavior skills training is really important because it's going to go through the steps you need to get buy-in. You explain the reason why. They watch you do it. You watch them do it. You give feedback. When we train really thoroughly in that way, that's going to really prevent having issues with buy-in because we're, we're kind of squashing any objections. And that's where the lack of buy-in comes in is not understanding why. And sometimes we just tell someone what to do without explaining the reason. And if they don't understand the reason, yeah, there's not going to be buy-in, right? If I didn't understand why I was being asked to do something, I might do it the first few times, then I'm not going to do it anymore because I don't get it. We have to take the time to really thoroughly explain things and discuss things with our team. You know, this isn't like a dictatorship. This is a team. 
right? Team training, you're working collaboratively as a team. So you want to get that feedback. Like, hey, why do you think this behavior plan isn't working? Why do you think this student is struggling in gym? What do you think we could do differently in the hallway? If they're the person with that child, we want their advice and impact. And before we get even into behavior skills training and why that works, before any of that, you need to really have rapport and mutual respect with your paraprofessionals. People work hard for people that they like and respect, right? That's just human nature. Think about bosses that you've had. Think about bosses that you've worked really hard for and bosses that you didn't want to work hard for. Rapport and respect plays a big role there. Take time to get to know your paraprofessionals, right? What's their coffee order? What's their son's name? Where do they live? What things do they love to do on the weekends? What's their favorite show? You should know all of those things about someone you spend every day with at work. And this actually, I'm going to be totally honest with you, was sometimes something that was a little bit hard for me because I'm like a person when I get to work, I'm in get it done mode. So I don't like have time in my head to like socialize. But that's first of all rude. And second of all, that's like untrue. Like I do have time to socialize. And I would really make a point the first five minutes of the day when we get there to like not talk, jump into like what's on the schedule today and what's on the docket. But like, yeah, how was your weekend? What'd you watch yesterday? What'd you make for dinner? And like chat and like, We don't have to chat all day. We shouldn't be chatting all day. But we can have these few minutes in the morning to establish our relationship, build our rapport. And that's really, really important when it comes to buy-in. All right, let's switch gears. Another question I've gotten a lot recently, I think is timely because everyone's so short-staffed, is how do I handle situations where I'm sharing a paraprofessional with another teacher? You know, when everyone's so short-staffed, we get into situations where maybe we should have a full-time para, but we have to share it with someone else or that para has other roles or responsibilities around the school. And I think we need to have really clear expectations and boundaries with administrators and with whoever, whatever teachers you're using that that you're working with to know what that para should be doing and when. I would want a really explicit schedule to know what times that paraprofessional is going to be in my classroom. And then I would make a very detailed schedule for the time the para is in my room. Um, I talk a lot in the membership about creating a staff schedule, you know, on a spreadsheet. And that part of the purpose of that is is really to prevent conflict. Everyone knows where that pair is supposed to be and what that pair is supposed to be doing. So if that pair is supposed to be in my room from 8 to 10.30, I'm going to have it 15 minute by 15 minute from 8 to 10.30 what her responsibilities are in my room. Because then when someone's like, hey, I'm going to grab her at 10 to do this, it's like, yeah, well, look what's on her her schedule. At 10 to 10.30, she's with three students in inclusion music, right? So not that that always prevents that problem of the staff member getting pulled, but there's other contingencies at play because like, look, they're scheduled to do something. It's it, You're really directly impacting something else and you can see what is directly being impacted. So I would make have those expectations really clear and make a very detailed schedule. Last question, um, how to handle situations where paraprofessionals talk too much or are on their cell phone too much? So before I answer this question, I'm, this is gonna, I'm going to come back to why this is applicable in a second. I saw a post in a special ed Facebook group a few days ago that I thought was great. And it was someone that was a former paraprofessional. And she was like, she was really sweet. And she was like, hey, heads up, teachers. If you want your staff to feel welcome in your room, I've been a para for 20 years. Here are some things that are really helpful. Have a spot for me to put my jacket and my purse, have a space for me to put my lunch and maybe extra lunch food. You know how like sometimes you like to keep a bag of chips at school or bring a few cans of soup for the week. 
you know, have a space where I can keep my things that is out of the way and is just mine. And that was part of what the post was about. And I loved that because I've, I've talked about that a lot too is do your paras have space for their things? Uh, a safe spot for their purse. Where I used to work, locking up purses was an important thing to do because there were history of things getting taken around the school. So I wanted to always make sure that my paras had a spot where they could lock their purse because I locked my purse, right? So I'm going to give that same, you know, that same opportunity to them too. So having some type of dedicated space, it doesn't necessarily need to be a desk. I don't think um, a desk is necessarily the solution, but having some type of space, a shelf to put their things that's out of the way. And I think this ties back to the cell phone use because yes, we all keep our cell phones on, not us, but it's going to kind of get some of the other things that could be distractors out of the way, right? I don't want my purse right on me. Let's put it over there. And then when it comes to setting boundaries for cell phone use, I think we just have to be explicitly clear. And if you are a new teacher, if you are young, if you're non-confrontational, this may be really challenging for you. But blame someone else. Blame the admin. Be like, hey, admin's really cracking down on this. We cannot have cell phones out when there are students in the room. Um, and this is going to be like a zero tolerance thing. And then just say, when you see them having the cell phone out, be like, hey guys, remember, this is the administrator's rules. Like we have to have this out. Now, if you have your cell phone out because you are calling parents um, and communicating with parents and caregivers, say that because you need to follow your own rules. If like there should be no cell phones out while kids are out, then you need to follow that rule. And if your cell phone's out because of an exception, like you have to call a parent or caregiver, say that every time. Like, oh, you know what? I'm going to text Johnny's mom because I just thought of the fact that he forgot his permission slip for tomorrow and we need it. Literally say it out loud every time you text a parent. If like you're, if that's the exception of the rule and you have your phone out. Because there is nothing worse than someone not following a rule, but they expect you to, right? So be really clear on that. And as far as talking too much, you know, it can get really loud in a class if you have three paraprofessionals and everyone's running different centers. So I think that discussing volume level from a sensory perspective and even looping that OT in could be really valuable. And talking about ways to keep the voice volume down and not pointing anyone out like, hey, you're talking to your students too much or whatever. But hey, what are ways we can bring down the volume of the classroom. Maybe we used quieter tones of voice. You know, we're we're aware that other people nearby are also teaching and have that be a discussion about the culture of your classroom as opposed to pointing it out on one specific person. All right, staff training. Long story short, staff training's hard, but it is an important and essential part of your job. And bottom line, you have to make time for staff training. The more you invest in your team, the better it will be for your students in the long run. Thanks for listening to the Autism Helper podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to me if you left some feedback. Whether I'm working one-on-one with a student, doing a podcast like this one, or presenting for a PD, my goal is always to provide as much value as I can. So your feedback really helps me make sure I'm doing just that. If you have other topics you'd like me to cover, leave in the feedback or message me on social media. You can follow me at The Autism Helper on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. Or visit my website, theautismhelper.com. Thanks again for listening.
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Having the right resources for your classroom is essential to making sure your classroom is running smoothly. At the Autism Helper Shop, we have all of the resources you need to make sure you have the behavior, communication, and curriculum supports for your students. Within our shop, we have adapted books, task cards, resources aligned to the VB map and the ABLES, behavior plan flowcharts, data sheets, curriculum, everything you need, whether you are an early childhood teacher or a high school teacher, we have all of the resources that will meet those students' needs. So head over to shop.theautismhelper.com to check out all of our resources.